we trek out Alex Kurtzman's big feelings on short treks again. A few good men and a woman talk Star Trek litigation, another convention gets postponed, and we shouldn't necessarily give up or surrender. In gaming news, Star Trek Adventures raises a ton of money, Timelines introduces Whistles and Canaries, and Fleet Command brings the small screen to the smaller screen. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 475 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, August 25th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, August 28th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Tony. I'm Kat. And I'm Anthony. And with us in the audio booth is our chief engineer, Skippy. Hello, guys. Captains, each week between episodes, we love to engage in conversations with you, our listeners on places like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you aren't already following us on any of those, be sure to look us up. There, we post things like community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite social media app, and you'll find us. Or you can email us. Reach out to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, engaging with you is an absolute privilege, and we look forward to doing it every single week. And we really do appreciate the support that those of you who contribute to our Patreon account give us every month. We know that not everybody can do that in this time. Uh, It's been a rough number of months, and it's probably going to be rough for months ahead. So if you can't contribute financially, share us, uh, share our shows, share our social media posts, help us out, reach more people to join our community. And if you can't help us out, we really appreciate it. It helps defray the costs of running this software, the uh, uh, the equipment. We, uh, we want to we bring you the best sounding and best uh, research show possible and everything you do to help out with that is very much appreciated. Uh, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash Patreon and uh, give us uh, give us a high, give us a high five. And if, like Tony said, financial support isn't in the cards for you, don't worry. Just share our show to all your friends. Hit that like, retweet, and/or share button when you come across one of our posts. Or perhaps you'd like to join the team. Captains, we are looking for new volunteers to join our production. Specifically, we're looking for audio and video editors. For more information, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com or email us, and that address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jim, what places? I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Alex Kurtzman and Deadline go together like the proverbial peanut butter and jelly. Or is it, uh, maybe, maybe it's peanut butter and chocolate, or is it... Chocolate and milk. Anyway, Kurtzman once again sat down with Deadline to talk turkey about Short Treks, the franchise, and his old friend. Wait, oh, wait. Turkey and gravy. Turkey and gravy. Kurtzman discussed the birth of Short Treks, telling Deadline, quote, They had wanted initially to drop season two before we would be ready to deliver everything we needed for season one. And I said, okay, well, how about this? If you delay the drop of season two, what we can do is some Short Treks. We'll use our sets and try this interesting experiment, see if it works, and it'll buy us some time for Star Trek awareness to remain in the cultural conversation. They said, sure, okay, let's try it. And we started out doing five, and uh, people really liked them. End quote. When asked about what was the most difficult aspect of Short Treks, Kurtzman pointed to animation, but spoke highly of his old friend Michael Giacchino, and how the composer's knowledge of the medium helped. Quote, What's great about working with Michael was that because he had done this already, he was very prepared for the process and gave me a headline up front about, okay, you've got about three or four off-ramps along the way, and then we can't change it. So let's make sure that we have these regular check-ins that allow us to make sure we are agreeing, heading down the right road, so that when we get to what becomes an irreversible moment, we're feeling great about it. And that was awesome. It was really helpful for me to understand. End quote. For a link to the full For Your Consideration review, check out the link in our show notes. 
It's kind of telling that Kurtzman is saying like he's happy there were like off ramps because maybe he wouldn't get it before that. Just what does that mean? He doesn't get it overall. That's what that means to me. Yeah, well, it's like he didn't, he wasn't educated about it, right? I mean, I'm sure he got education about it. And he's talking about the animation. That was only the one short trick, right? No, there were two. Uh, the Girl Who Made the Stars was also animated. Well, that's true. It's only 10% or 20%, right? 20% of all the short tricks, right? I mean, so... No, it's, well, less than that, but yeah. Because if you're counting season one... It's a small part. It's a small piece of it. But we were, we were making jokes during the recording about too many executive producers. Having lots of executive producers means you're having a better show. <laughs> maybe, maybe them hiring one more executive producer that was already familiar with animation might have been... Might have been a good hire. At least he, but he's learning. He's growing. It's good. Yeah, we'll figure it out in post. They'll fix it in post. <laughs> Don't ever say that. I hate... Oh, well, what I think, you know, it just goes to show how experimental these short tracks are, right? Because not only are they trying out different uh, directors and writers and things, because if you've noticed, a lot of these directors and writers who did a short track went on to work on a show. Right. I mean, Michael Shabon, his first experience with Star Trek was the Calypso short from season one. Which was fantastic. Uh, and here we have, you know, some animation and even, you know, uh, Mike McMahon did a short track with uh, Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson? Harry Mudd, the new Harry Mudd. Right. And uh, so I think this animation was part of that process of like, okay, let's do a couple of short tracks with the animation process. And then we'll see if we can put that into a half hour show and then a year later what do we get we get short tracks perfect i still feel like it's kurtzman being like let's just see what happens when we do all this random stuff which i'm okay with all right okay that's certainly a point of view please don't tell me what i know and i don't know i know the law well maybe i don't but we have a couple of lawyer type people here so this conversation should be interesting in a story that broke last week, video game developer Anas Abdin lost his second circuit court case against CBS and Netflix. Our script isn't going to deep dive into this because, frankly, the writer of this script doesn't know as much as the two experts present. In short, the first filing of the suit, which alleged Abdin's in-development point-and-click spacefaring adventure game featuring a gay couple and intergalactic tardigrades, was infringed on by Star Trek Discovery's first season storyline and characters. That was dismissed by the court of the Southern District of New York. On August 17th, Abdin's second go at litigation was as successful as his first, with the judge saying in part, quote, Abdin's space-traveling tardigrade is an unprotectable idea because it is a generalized expression of a scientific fact, namely the known ability of a tardigrade to survive in space. By permitting Abdin to exclusively own the idea of a space-traveling tardigrade, this court would improperly withdraw that idea from the public domain and stifle creativity naturally flowing from the scientific fact that tardigrades can survive the vacuum of space, end quote. Kat, did you follow this? Yes. Uh, you go ahead. You're the, you're, between the two of us, you're the more IP, you're the IP lawyer, so you take it away. Okay, so I read the decision, and basically the court determined that ideas are not protectable, and they found there was not enough substance uh, or comparison between the two storylines that would show infringement. Or basically, the idea of a tardigrade in space was not so unusual because it's based in fact, and you can't copyright facts either. So, Kat read the appellate decision, yes. which is sort of the higher-level court reviewing the decision by the district court. The district court is where people bring in their truckloads of facts. Uh, and, and, and they try to make a showing before that court that the facts are on our side or the facts are on their side or whatever. And the appellate court is like, uh-huh, we agree with those guys. Right. And that's, <laughs> that is usually how these things go. It's like unless the judge underneath made a ridiculously strong error, not most of the time the appellate court is going to let let the decision stand especially when it's something that's fact intensive like a copyright case like how much is this similar bring us all the similarities and we're going to lay it all out in a big chart and we're going to see if it's similar enough and if the guy in charge of deciding the facts the district court judge says okay then the appellate court's not going to second guess him. Right. Well, you have to prove similarity and access. So they have to establish that they actually 
told this idea or this storyline to someone at Star Trek Discovery that then, you know, absconded with the with the whole thing, which didn't happen. <laughs> right. And so and what makes me scratch my head is that it seems like, and I'm going to ask Kat this question because I'm just have this is my impression. It seems like they went off on it's not similar. Well, I, I think there were ele- they uh, they did admit there were elements that were similar, right? Because there is a giant tardigrade traveling in space, you know, and there's a gay couple, and there's a black female who was in trouble with the law prior to joining the crew, right? And the tardigrade zapped the the ship through space, and it was blue, right? I mean, girl with a red head, girl with red hair. <laughs> I mean, could they help Mary Wiseman had curly red hair? I don't know. I mean, could be. It's uh, there's there's because I got into I got into this a little bit when it was at the district court level. I went and got all the filings and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it to me it looked pretty convincing. But the question is whether or not to me in my mind whether or not there was access because this guy it was just a little Steam early development game. I mean, it, it had been out there for a long time. They're, like, emphasizing the unreleased part of this game. So it really would have had to come down to, yeah, we can show this person has played this game for however many hours. Yes, Anthony, question. Oh, well, I, I just have a question as a, as a not a lawyer and uh, not somebody who works in a court and anything, but as somebody who has worked on productions before, I don't make the connection between, oh, this game is cool, we should make this story, and then going and casting actors that look identical to these characters, regardless of if they can act well or not, like that doesn't make any sense to me. You would cast people that you want in the roles that are good in the roles, not solely based on they look exactly like these characters in a Steam game that nobody's ever played. Like, if it was a huge popular game that everybody knew, and you're trying to, like, emulate that chemistry within the game, great. But to me, it's it's nonsense. The theory that I ran with when we first talked about this many years ago now, at least two years ago, I think now, is that Discovery was in turmoil. Brian Fuller had just left. There were two people that had never run a show before put in charge of the show. They were stuck with a tardigrade because Brian Fuller spent a ton of money putting together a tardigrade. Tardigrade was going to be in the show. It just was. Right. And these two people had about no time, about zero time, to get the show back on track, rewrite the entire season so that it fit within the new budget constraints, and get her done. And coincidentally, coincidentally, right around the time this lawsuit started to brewing, those two showrunners got canned in the middle of season two. They fired them in the middle of a season, which conveniently means that you can go through and start deleting their email accounts and their browser search histories and all that other stuff. What do you call it when you when you provide a bunch of evidence in court that isn't quite there? What's that called? Circumstantial? Yes, circumstantial. <laughs> yeah, that, okay. Now, hey, smartass. All right, you, you ready? You ready for this? This went out on a motion to dismiss, which means that they didn't have discovery, mm-hmm. which means that they didn't even have a chance to ask for the emails. They didn't even get there. They didn't even get there. So, do you know how lucky CBS is at this point? Very lucky. Because I strongly suspect that if they had gone through and said, yeah, we need to see those emails and we need to see their browser search history and everything that had to do with their logins, and CBS went, oh, we fired them, so we deleted everything. Is that bad? That's an automatic lose. Mm, That's our company policy. We delete everyone's history. That's called spoilage. That's called spoilage, and usually that means you automatically lose the case. So CBS dodged a bullet here. In my view. They did. I mean, what I saw from the game, yeah, it was very, very similar. But the fact remains that, hey, you really can't copyright facts, and you can't copyright ideas. So if they're calling these ideas that tardigrades travel in space, and that's where your emphasis is going to be, then yeah, you're right. You can't argue with that, and that's what an appellate court generally will do. It'll take the most basic idea and say, this is as far as we have to go. This is the simplest reason that we can hang our hat on. We don't need to look any farther than this. We don't need to get into the weeds at all. The district court looked at this, uh, didn't make any egregious errors of law. 
that he gave both sides a fair shot at this. We we see, we see no reason to disturb this ruling. This is pretty typical and not a, not an unexpected outcome. Do you guys think they got it right? No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, I feel like yeah. They probably could have shown access had they had that opportunity. So I feel like definitely someone saw that game. The killing it before discovery was uh, it was a huge victory for CBS. Do you think, do you think that's a, that that also is a factoring reason into why we're jumping 950 years in the future in the story? Well, it only lasted one season, right? Because even even if they did lose and they'd have to pay royalties then psh, nope no more tardigrade but bye you're free now bye <laughs> have they even said the t word on the show since then nope short tracks the animated one that had the tardigrade came out after discovery season oh with the eggs that's right that's it turned it turns out that that's that's very similar to abden's sequel game from his first one <laughs> <laughs> so when, a tardigrade, when a tardigrade uh, uh, gets their trapped eggs in, in the a starship. Yeah. <laughs> An animated tardigrade, no less. Oh, oh, oh. All right, well, let's move on, shall we? Now, isn't that a thought? Here we are, antibodies of our own galaxy, attacking an invading germ. Be ironic indeed if that were our sole destiny, wouldn't it? While staying home, socially distancing, and wearing a mask is our way of destroying a disease, and destination Star Trek Germany agrees. Europe's official Star Trek convention, Destination Star Trek Germany, has been postponed from October 2020 to June 25th through June 27th of 2021. In a statement on their website, Destination said in part, quote, Due to government restrictions, it is with sadness we must postpone this October's Destination Star Trek Germany event in Dortmund. We still plan to center our next convention around Voyager's anniversary, since it's not fair that we were not at all able to celebrate it properly this year, and we know they are really looking forward to seeing you, as you are them." End quote. In regards to tickets, the announcement said, quote, Tickets already purchased will be automatically valid for the new date. In line with the government's policy, if you cannot make the new date, then you can get a voucher from us that you can use for any destination Star Trek event in Germany or the UK or on any DST product up until December 2022, end quote. If you're thinking, no biggie, I'll just head to London in November, you may want to wait before booking tickets on August 19th, Destination Star Trek posted on their Facebook page, quote, We are just reviewing and evaluating things at the moment, and we will have an update on Destination Star Trek London in the next few weeks for you all. We really appreciate your patience in this turbulent time and hope that you have managed to stay well and look after yourselves, end quote. So nobody knows nothing. <laughs> nobody knows nothing. We're, we're waiting, we're counting down the days until they postpone... Star Trek Las Vegas. I was going to say, well, they already did once, but... I mean, it's been postponed. You think they're going to out, out, outright cancel it this year and just pick it up next year? Again, not having seen the contracts, I think things are different. Force majeure. Yeah, it depends. It depends. You know, maybe <laughs> postponing me, post, postponing means one thing, but canceling means, oh, God, something else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if they can color it as a postponement. But see... They're offering credit for their upcoming events, too, so that's like a reimbursement, though... I think it's a postponement. Well, I mean, you have your choice, right? You have your choice. They're, they're saying it's automatically valid, so that's like a postponement. Like, that ticket's good for the next thing. Just just bring that ticket. It's the same thing. It's the same ticket. But if you're saying, if you know, if you need a refund, we'll give you the refund or, you know, store credit or whatever. Store credit. Expires six months from the day of issuing. Man, they should offer a bump up on the level of purchase if you got store like, credit. Yeah, because you like pre-ordered, right? Yeah, exactly. that's what it's I'm like, saying. Yeah, like VIP something or another. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the champagne I mean, room. offer it like airlines. You know, you could get this hotel for the night and we'll get you a ticket the next day. You know. That's a great idea. All this idea. We'd also like to take a quick second and note that from James Colley's Facebook page, quote, The very large Enterprise model that greeted fans at the entrance of the old Star Trek The Experience will be warping its way to Star Trek, the original series set tour, for permanent display. After a round of restorations, she will be flying high inside our facility. More updates as we progress, end quote. The post is only viewable by Facebook friends of Kali, but we'll be keeping a close eye on upcoming news and announcements. 
Thanks to our fearless leader, Elio, for the tip. Ooh, that's exciting. Did you guys ever go to the experience? Did anyone ever go? Wait a minute. Let's not overlook the fact that Elio is working while he's on vacation. Yeah, the man never sleeps. We all know this. Does that surprise you? I'm like, why is anyone surprised by that? <laughs> and, and also, and also, he's telling us what to do even though he's not here. So, I mean, this this should surprise no one. Yeah, that's totally on brand. <laughs> yeah. The answer is Kat's questions. Yes, I've been there, and I know Anthony's been there, and Kat, you've been there. Yes. I have not been there. You've not been I, there? I did not go to, oh, the Star Trek The Experience? The Experience, the one in Vegas. No. Yeah, I didn't go to that. That's what I was talking about. Did anyone get to do that? I mean, I did. I missed it by three months. Oh, no. I had no idea it had closed, and I was so excited to go there, and it was my first time in Vegas. I'm like, oh, I got to go. What do you mean it closed three months ago? Oh, well. Oh, sad skiffy. I was, I was very disappointed. I, like, went to Vegas with my friend who was is not a Trekkie, and I made her go <laughs> with me, and she tells, like, his horror story to this day. Of how I made her go, and she had to go to the Borg thing, and she's all freaked out by the Borg, and she may have a permanent neck injury. <laughs> so, you know, it, it can be traumatic if you're not a sci-fi fan. I mean, you know, a, a I guess you know, but we went we went to Quarks afterwards and have warp core breaches, so I don't even know how she remembers any of that. So. <laughs> it was yeah, that traumatic. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. I, I misspoke. I mean, I've been to the original series tour. Definitely. I've been there, too. And, but the experience in, in Vegas was, it was pretty cool. Well, the, the, it was a production. I mean, there were, you know, people milling around in costumes and being in character and all that other kind of stuff, too. Yeah. The, the, the set tour is a lot lower key. Still awesome, though. But when, when they get the next generation set up and running to walk around on, that place is going to explode. I would not be surprised if in another five to ten years that has as many activities, if not more, as the Star Trek The Experience did in Las Vegas. And how awesome is it that this is on the East Coast and not the West Coast where everything else is located? Oh, man. Ticonderoga's out in, kind of in the middle of nowhere, though. That's fine, though. It's great. It's beautiful, though. It's great. Like, yeah, you just stay at a and b or the one of, like, three hotels. Listen to this West Coast hater. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's nice there. Small town America. I'm down with small town America. I used to work out in western Kansas a lot, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. It's just that getting a lot of people through there will be challenging. It's certainly a great place to go, and if you're a Star Trek fan, I'd say it's almost like a pilgrimage. You ought to, you ought to give it a shot. It is. Uh, it really it's, is. It's literally like going to Mecca for Trekkies. It really is. It's kind of, it's kind of special. I just want to know where they're going to hang that ship, because I don't know... I don't know where they're going to put that thing. I mean, the entryway? They're going to hang it from... I, mean, I guess in the store. Yeah, I guess they'll have to hang it from the ceiling in the, in the gift shop. They've done a lot of work. I don't know when the last time you were there was, but they've done a lot of work in there, and it's nice. It's awesome. Yeah, it was two years ago. There's out there's, there's, there's Yeah, we were there We were there just less than a year ago. Yeah, there's. I think there's enough space for them to hang it from the ceiling right in that uh, that gift shop. Yeah. The entry, yeah. Because that's turned into... There's a whole display of stuff there now. I mean, it's just... It's Yeah, it's huge. They have uh, yeah. a lot of... A lot of great memorabilia there uh, in, the, in the cabinets and on the, in the, on the show floor. Yeah, and they um, that will be a, a wonderful addition to that space. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Congratulations. High score. Well, this week in gaming news, we have um, a, a, a teaser, a preview, an announcement. I don't know what to call this. Um, we received word uh, via the Facebook page of something that has us scratching our heads and raising our eyebrows just a touch. Uh, we were notified uh, from a uh, listener and a uh, Star Trek Online gamer that they had been admonished reported, um, rejected, for naming their in-game starship USS Black Lives Matter. They sent us a screenshot of the uh, in-game email that said, thanks for playing, you're not going to have that ship anymore, feel free to rename your ship and keep playing. 
So we're following up on that with the uh, with the, the person who, who who sent that, and trying to going to try to get the whole story from his perspective. We of course may once we get that story, we may want to follow up and get the perspective from the individuals that rejected that name. See if Cryptic has anything they want to say about that. We're, we don't know yet. We're still following up on this and getting the facts. So that's a thing that happened, and uh, we're following up on that. So, uh, you know, stay tuned to this channel and uh, see what happens. Yeah, and if anything similar happened to you, please let us know. Yeah, happy to, happy to follow mm -hmm. up on that. The Star Trek Adventures RPG book Humble Bundle came to a close on August 19th, and with 17,423 bundles sold, they raised $274,434.09 for the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Priority One Podcast congratulates Modivius Entertainment on their successful campaign and its contribution to social progress for all. We're always glad to see Star Trek license holders help build the better future our favorite franchise promises. Yeah, that's really cool. I got the bundle, even though I had a bunch of that stuff, and, you know, it was for a good cause, and um, there was really no reason not to get it, you know? Even just reading it, even if you don't play the game, just reading those books are, uh, are really good uh, Star Trek entertainment. A lot of fun lore. Yeah, I got it too. It's awesome. It's really cool to look through. The Capitoline Wolf Mega Event for Star Trek Timelines continues this Thursday, August 26th with Whistles and Canaries. In this galaxy event, the Maquis, Section 31, and Dominion factions will vie for the new five-star Captain Erica Hernandez-ranked reward crew member with the five-star Jamel, new four-star Ransom Shran, and returning four-star Aladar Jarak as event crew. Of course, the enigmatic five-star humanoid figure returns as event crew as well, no doubt with their own nefarious agenda in mind. The Capitoline Wolf extends next week with the Restoration Hybrid Galaxy slash Skirmish event. And finally, launched almost two years ago, Star Trek Fleet Command lets players continue the continuity established by the Abrams Trek films, uh, aka the Kelvin timeline, if you're feeling formal. Since then, 21 updates have built out a detailed world for an otherwise narrowly defined narrative. But in the near future, players might look through the lens flare and ask, New content? Who dis? Discovery, that is. <laughs> On August 24th, game developer Scopely announced outcomes from a recent discussion with Viacom CBS about Fleet Command's success as a game. The important news was that, quote, Star Trek Fleet Command will soon welcome all of Star Trek's past, present, and future. This includes the film and TV series from the Star Trek original series, Next Generation, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, and more to come, end quote. Fleet Command intends to release content arcs focused on one TV series at a time, though a narrative path through the end of this year has yet to be determined. Interactions between story arc elements will depend on the choices that players make when assembling their crews. Interesting. Hmm. So never play that. Yeah. So, well, it, what's interesting, interesting to me is that they already have this game. It's called Star Trek Timeline. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. Very different games. Very different games. I, I understand. Very Narratively, different. though, hmm. narratively though, they're like they're going to do all the crossover stuff. Well, I mean, you you are advocating for the 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 Avengers movie, right? So here you go, Anthony. This is. This is that you you know you know you get two of them now. I'll be honest with you, you know, having played Fleet Command, it's I, I couldn't quite get into it. I, I like the game; it's it functions well. I feel like it's the game is too big for the screen for the, for the device that it's on, and it takes a lot to to really dive into. You got to play it for a while to really get some benefits. And and what bothers me even the most is that certain events you have to be at a certain level in order to participate in those events and that and it takes a long time to get to that level i'll be honest with you though this does excite me and i'm probably going to go back to playing it because you know prime timeline trek gets me into games i'll definitely check it out when it comes out the the formula is you know, you know cheeks and seats uh, cheeks and seats equals money and so the more people that they can get to download and try it the better chance they have that somebody will buy the cool down pack the extra ships pack or the special character pack or whatever. So this this has got to be a big win for those guys getting access to the entire IP. The other thing too is I think this shows that that CBS Viacom 
or Viacom CBS, whatever they call themselves, <laughs> has some <Today. laughs> has some faith in the game that it's going to be around for a while if they're willing to to let them use the rest of this catalog. You know, so often, I mean, we just talked about Star Trek Trexels 2 shutting down last week, and Wrath of Gems was another Star Trek game that, that went by the wayside. This one seems to be like it's going to be around for a little while, and, and timelines as well, so that's a, that's a good thing. More Star Trek. You can flip that narrative around by them saying, unless you give us access to the rest of the IP, we have to shut. We're, this is not viable anymore. We have to shut down. We're at the end of our, you know, every, every game needs the new content, right? I mean, how many times has Al said to us, we spend six months making something, you guys play through it in six days. Uh, and so I, I would submit that it could have gone the other way. They went to CBS and said, been a great run, we're just not interested in doing this anymore unless we can get the rest of the back catalog because we're, you know, this is not cutting it anymore. We've, ta- we've topped out and we're starting to lose people and unless we can bring them in. Mm, I feel like that was part of the package, right? When the merger happened. So then they were like, okay, so let's get this straight. We can use all that, right? But yeah, I mean, I mean, that could be part of it yeah. too. Like, well, now that we no longer have a Paramount side yeah, and a CBS like, we side, don't... we can Yeah, do I this. think that's what happened. Yeah. I feel like maybe it was an inc- all-encompassing. I don't know. I would love to read this. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, like we'd love the contracts. Yeah, we can't. We just love. Yeah, just, 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 just email. What, just what it was. Send it over. I just want to see it. Just want to just, just, just write a it up, copy. You, know. you just send me. It. You can redact like just, numbers and whatever. But yeah, we don't need another numbers. I just want to see what, 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 what's the language. Yeah. But. Let's be honest. We we want I mean, to Okay, yeah, but I mean, you could. I mean, yeah, but we know why we're not. Gonna I mean, get them. whatever, I mean, yeah. whatever it takes to like. Yeah. I want to see good. what the what? deal is. God, so good. I, I want to. See. Put a piece of tape over the numbers. We promise we won't hold it up. For <laughs> <a moment. laughs> or, or just or just do what every new lawyer does. Uh, draw a black box around it and hit send. Oh. <laughs> Highlight over. Oh, look at there's yeah. I wonder if this is an indication too that they're done with the Kelvin timeline that we may never get any more content from that. And they really want to push the prime timeline in all of their, you know, advertising and marketing, you know, channels. Uh, maybe. Unless and until they announce a movie, whether or not that movie's uh, in the Kelvin timeline or not, we'll, we'll have to see. I don't know. Do they have to pay royalties back to JJ and Secret Robot? Oh, JJ's still hip, hip deep in this. Oh, you bet. You better believe JJ. So, I suspect no. <laughs> so be my answer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, does JJ get a piece of this? Oh, then we're not doing that then. That's, no. no. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. That's all we have to cover this week in Star Trek Gaming. Now let's look on screen for the third episode of Lower Decks. On screen. Computer, set, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 3, Temporal Edict. On screen. Music is grand, sound can travel through the vacuum of space, Klingons fight to the death, and Boimler wants a hug. Wrap it up, nerd. The Cerritos gives up a historic once-in-a-lifetime summit for an errand, and Captain Freeman isn't thrilled. Buffer time is a thing, until it's not a thing, thanks to Delta Shift, and the crew gets worked to the bone. They're the worst. Tired, frantic, and forgetful, Ransom's landing party brings wood to a crystal party, and no amount of Jack Ransom peace brokering can get the crew out of this 2260s predicament. Captain Freeman's crew is falling apart, and the Gelrakians take the Cerritos with spears. Boimler phasers Gelrakians and convinces the captain to loosen up restrictions, allowing the crew to rally and take back the Cerritos from the spear-wielding intruders. On the planet, Ransom ruins Mariner's foot and his shirt before double fist-punching Vindor and saving the away party. A little cleanup and everything is a-okay. Mariner gets a scar, Boimler gets a plaque, and O'Brien finally gets the recognition he deserves. The end. <laughs> Thank you, Panda. I thought Galrakian's wood was awkward, too. <laughs> That, that was one of those things that was just like, oh, come on now. That was like, they, one of, we've talked about it before, how they try to walk up to the line and they will walk it right back. That one was, that Wait, was a Wait, could sleeper. it not have been a Horgon? Come on, that would have been funny. <laughs> no, but the double entendre, I think, got the job done. Good job, Rick and Morty type guys. Well done with that. <laughs> I, I liked this episode a lot more than I liked the first I two. I loved it. I know, me too. 
I really did too. It's funny. I upon first watch, I was like, eh. It was actually I thought the least strong episode out of the three, and I've watched it two more times since, and it's actually growing on me quite a bit. I enjoyed it the third time very much. This one, I think, if they stick with this formula a little bit, this might be a good a, a good rhythm, right? You've got the cold open with a little vignette that has nothing to do with the rest of the show. I think that's good, right? Because it's just a, it's just a little it's just a little sketch, and they, they've got enough of an ensemble there they can do little sketches with these guys. I think that's probably good. And then the rest of the show has an A plot and a B plot that kind of overlap, but it, it has one character, one of the Lower Decks people, driving the A plot, and then everybody else is working on the B plot. And they paired off one of the Lower Decks people with one of the Commander people. So I think I think if they keep that going, I think if they make that kind of the kind of the routine, kind of the rhythm, I think that's I think that's a winner. I think that they can they can make something with that. See, I I really liked in the pilot episode where what would have been an A plot on a normal Star Trek episode right. ended up being the C plot. Right. And then the A plot, the, the C plot on a normal Star Trek episode became the A plot. That's, that's the, the premise plot. for and yeah. Like, that's the premise for that Twitter account, Star Trek season eight. That was the, that was the whole premise right. of the thing. So I hope there's a little bit more of that. But I, I agree with you most mostly that I think this format worked really well. And I, the only my my only real criticism of this episode is I just want more character and I want more. I want to know more about the relationship between Mariner and her mother. I don't. And, um, I don't want to know a thing. They should oh, never have I've, done that. They should no, never I have think that's How the, does be it escape it. everyone that they are related? I mean, I just don't see that being a feasible... Like, how is that a thing? But in chat, Ken from Chicago is saying, like, part of the reason this episode worked was because Boimler and Mariner weren't together. And I kind of agree. Like, you got to see them separately. Yeah. Like, Boimler in his element, rule ruling and purge purging, whatever he's doing. And then Mariner doing her... Oh, I'm going to buck up against, you know, procedure and, and authority, but, you know, I'm still going to get stabbed in the foot, and that guy's going to do it, like, win the day with Vendor. Having the young kids, the Lower Decks people, pair off with the senior officer and learning their lessons or whatever it is they need to do, each teaching the other something and everyone learning something, I mean, blah, blah. That right there will give each of the Lower Decks characters a chance to shine. It'll give the Command Deck people the opportunity to show that they're not complete idiots. Right, they're not they're not a bunch of morons uh, out there flying around a spaceship on their own. Well, but what about the captain trying to run the whole bridge by herself? That was my one moment of really. Right, but that's but that that's like an illustration of somebody taking like the idea too far, right? Like it's the jellic right. it's the Jellico well, thing, right? And Mariner Mariner called that in the pilot episode how the the bridge crew only care about you know glory and prestige and so the captain fits that bill. I think she's talking specifically about her mother, in that right. her mother always wants to be the one at the diplomatic you know talks and wants to be the one you know delivering the high class. She wants she wants the jobs the Enterprise do basically, and she doesn't mm-hmm. get those jobs and so she I think she overreaches trying to get those jobs and that that's why Mariner has an issue with that is that she I think Mariner was once like that and now she. She's gone the other way. And I think I agree with pairing them off. I really liked the pairing of Mariner and the first officer. And I I hope that we I hope we get some more of that too later on. Right. I hope it's not like a love interest though. I feel like that cheapens the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on that one. What it does. Every good TV show has that tension, and as long as the tension's there, it's awesome. But as soon as anybody does anything about it, the show falls apart. Yeah, it's, okay. So. Agreed. How do you explain The Office? Uh, Who did Michael fall in love with? Jan? That was like... No, that was like, Jim and Pam. That's okay. That's a side story. Those are the secondary uh, car- yeah. characters. Okay. Those are the secondary and characters. Then, I mean, come on. Moonlighting, when that happened, that was just... It, that, like, moonlighting's the, the classic... That is the classic yeah. example. When it was when it was Bruce Willis and uh, Sybil Shepard. Sybil Shepard. Do you even moonlighting, bro? Do you even moonlighting, bro? <laughs> <laughs> do you even moonlighting? Seriously. <laughs> but it's, when they're at each other's throats and sparring <laughs> with each other... Nice. Magic. But as soon as they as soon as they did something about it, the show fell apart. Well, the thing with Mariner and that first officer guy isn't that the guy voiced by Jerry O'Connell? Yes, because I can't remember his name. And he's, but he's like they're the exact same. Yeah. Like really, with the sleeves. I mean, that was awesome. <laughs> it, and that's the sort of thing that will that I think gives this episode more to it because it's like that you know the captain wants. The- well, here's the thing. 
This was the first episode that Mariner, and I hate to even be like, it's only because she was interested in him, but like, it's the only time she's so shown vulnerability. Like, other times she's like, I know everything, I do all this, and then this guy comes up and he's like, oh, wait, well, I know she, this. She was sort of compelled to be vulnerable by a sword through her foot. There was some compelled vulnerability there. <laughs> yeah. But it's the first time we get to see her in that position, because otherwise she's just full on, like in your face. I really like that, that she's not. And honestly, so. that that moment was the turning point for me for the episode where I kind of went, oh, <laughs> well then, because the camera's focusing on them, like squaring off. And then you hear you hear you see Meredith's face go, ah, and everyone's like, what? <laughs> and yeah. It's. it's that that right there, that was you know the, the subverting your expectations, and you know that gets kind of cliche now. No, that's how you do that. That's how you subvert yeah. expectations. And then and then we got that's this awesome, awesome Kirk Kirk fight double homage with the double fists and the yes! like. That was I mean, a the great only thing that we were missing was the dun 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 dun. Like oh my god, that would have been amazing. And the fact that he even said like you know what did he say? Interlocking fingers, interlocking fingers, interlocking fingers. This is probably my favorite episode to by far to date. I know it's only the third, but it was yeah. this, it was my favorite so far. This one has the feeling of a rhythm, right? There's there's a coherent structure to the to the show. There's a coherent structure to the plot. No one feels like it, it didn't feel rushed this time. Yeah. The last couple of episodes, it's like characters are trying to barf their lines out as fast as they could. Yes. This one had pacing. This one yeah. you went from point A like cold open, point A, point B, point C, and everything sort of flowed flowed in line. Uh, characters had their individual little moments. You know, you had the pairing off of the of, of, of one lower decks person with another senior officer. You had Boiler and the captain. There's another pair off. And then the other two went and did their thing. So next time we need to see Tendi hang out with the Dr. Cat. And we need to see Rutherford oh hanging out with the security chief. Who was it? Somebody said all they could see with the Dr. Cat. I can't remember the doctor's actual name, but now I hear is Paul Lasky. Paul Lasky. <laughs> and now it's Kudos. all I can. Bravo. That's like all I can hear. Kudos. Bravo. <laughs> it's literally true. Liter yeah, I'm like, literally? that's all I see. <laughs> it's yeah, it's literally liter Paul Lasky to me now. This is getting out of hand. <laughs> it really is. We should stop now. Anyway, so that was episode three, Temporal Edict. We'll be back again with uh, the next uh, next episode next week. Hopefully they keep going like this. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. That wraps up this week's on screen for Star Trek Lower Decks. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open and we're ready to receive your incoming messages. Last week, our first community question was. How are you listening to Priority One during the pandemic? From Twitter, Bertho writes, Spotify, on the way to from work or while pottering about Risa. From Facebook, Jason Smith responded, The same way I always do, Pinky, on an SD card loaded into my car's audio for commute time enjoyment. Japan is not on lockdown. It prevents me from getting odd looks when someone says something I disagree with on the show or gets some minor fact wrong and I go into full-on Trekkie rant mode. What? Who gets things wrong? I don't think so, Jason Smith. I don't think so. <laughs> I just want to say that as a former listener turned host, uh, <laughs> I used to have the exact same reaction action when I listened to the show and that is the number one reason why I wanted to be on the show and now that I'm on the show I realize that every week I'm on the show I say something incorrect it's just it's a byproduct of of talking Star Trek last week our second community question was what is your favorite and least favorite short treks from season two? From Twitter, Bertol says, still can't see short treks season two in UK, Star Trek CBS. Please fix this already. From Facebook, Jason Smith replied, favorite I think would be Ephraim and Dot. It's just cute. The girl who made the stars has more of a Trek message, but E&D is just cute. It's like watching a quick animated Trials and Tribulation. Least favorite, Children of Mars. Not that it was bad, the problem was that it was kind of hyped as a way to tie into Picard, and one shot of the Admiral does not a good tie-in make. I know, I know, Trek has a history of over-promising hints when it comes to things like this. <clears throat> unification. <clears throat> but the hype took me out of it. I mean, Unification was literally an advertisement for Star Trek VI. That was the only reason why uh, Leonard Nimoy came back 
to don the ears for a TV show was because he wanted to promote Star Trek VI because he even mentions it in the Unification episode before the movie comes out. And our third and final community question was, what Star Trek role would you cast Doctor Who's David Tennant? From Twitter, Berthalf wrote, David Tennant would make a great mad Trill scientist or a Q. Everybody says Q. I love the Trill scientist idea. Yeah, I mean... Mad, but what's so awesome is everyone's like, let's go with a bad guy. He was a great bad guy. He's a in great. Jones. I know he's such a good bad guy. I love David Tennant. I mean, good guy or bad guy, he could be a good cute. Maybe he's the cute kid grown up. What? Oh, I like that idea. From our live chat, Ken from Chicago also agrees that his favorite was Ephraim and Dot. It has a nice montage to Star Trek history, and his least favorite was also Children of Mars. Too many conveniences and compromises for sake of plot. I mean, that would, it should have, Children of Mars should have just been in the show. I mean, I, I think there were little clips of it, but should have just been part of the show. Well, that'll wrap up episode 475 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. There are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network, though. Just visit podcast.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley and Peter Archibald. And we'd like to welcome our newest Patreon supporter, Gerald Bosch. We can't thank Gerald enough, or any of our patrons for that matter, for giving during this challenging time. Welcome to the family, Gerald. And here's our community questions for this week. If you're not already playing Fleet Command, will this update entice you to start playing? And now that Lower Decks has three episodes out, are you enjoying the show? Why or why not? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. On our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast. Or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members like Teacher Guy. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. So just follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. During these difficult times, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content we produce each and every week. And don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wiper. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Special thanks to our audio editors including Gray, Brandon, William, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer Jake Morgan and our associate producers Shane Hoover and Thomas of the Priority One Armada. Together they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager and guest host this week, Anthony Cox. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Su-no! Engage.
I had to do it the way that Elio does it. I had to count all the way to one. I, I triggered early because I, I know, missed you from I know. Dark Frequency. It's, now. it's yeah, okay. Yeah. It'll, they'll fix it in post. No, that's okay. It's okay. No, just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep so going. This part will make it in the blooper reel. It'll be great. All right. So, oh, okay. uh, here we go. <laughs> Cat, go. This week on episode oh, wait, we didn't sing. 475. Yeah, we should sing. So this will also make me well, you there's been, there's been, there's with been, the sink. I'm sorry. Don't say <laughs> wait, lead wait, because wait. it's a sensitive right, topic. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> I'm drinking. Okay, now that we're 30 seconds into the, we're, we're, we're 30 seconds into the intro, and we'll now do the sinking. This is Tony. <laughs> intro, sink one. Our script isn't going to deep dive into this because, frankly, the writer doesn't know as much as the... <laughs> Our script isn't going to deep dive into... Our script isn't going to deep dive into this because, frankly, the writer of this script doesn't know as much as these two experts currently present. Present. I think we're present. Thank you. Idea. Cat, I'm sorry. We're gonna we're gonna have to. I don't know. How, I don't know how we're gonna clean that up. Yeah. Sorry. Hold on. It's all right. We make good radio. While yeah. The dogs shut up. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. We we have we have only limited lobby. time, Anthony, before the dogs act up again. I know. I'm Can't like, go. hey, I'm on a limit. Will be a, a wonderful addition to that space. Uh, yes, Ken from Chicago. That's what we're talking about. The well, currently it's TOS, but they are expanding to include the TNG bridge uh, at the at this place in the middle of nowhere, New York, Ticonderoga. <laughs> Fame, famous site of a battlefield in the Revolutionary War. Yes, Fort Ticonderoga is there. Yes. yes. Which also yes. In, involved the HMS Enterprise. That's and right. Benedict Arnold. Yep. That's right. Oh, look at you. Look at all that. Look at all that overlap. Look at all that history there. Can they hang the HMS Enterprise from the ceiling? I guess if they had a model of it. That is true. That is how we get most of our volunteers. Sorry, they Jason, wind up arguing Smith with us for all the inaccuracies. We didn't mean it. No, uh, no, we are not sorry because this is how we get our new volunteers because they come at us swinging. It's oh, the rain. And we say that's really smart. You should edit. You should edit our show and you can cut out all the parts that we get wrong. Yeah, okay. We need people like you in the audio booth to, to, to fix us around. in post. Tony, way yeah. to turn it around. No, remember, I'm not kidding. We're looking for new volunteers to join the production. Specifically, <laughs> you, we're looking for audio and video works? editors. So if you see how that works, if you have rage built up inside of you towards you, us, come join us. If you are a boiling molten pot of magma, There's whenever no we talk, no other way to fix this until no, you join us. That's right. We need you to cut those parts out of the show and delete them so they don't make it to air. Because that's, many that's, hands make light work. Many hands make less work. That's right. <laughs> Actually, guest host. I shouldn't say just guest. It's not, you, you, you worked while you were here. I mean, you wrote questions and multitasked and the whole thing. I mean, can we call it work? Really? We, uh, it's, it's a labor of love. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely work. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.